Please stand for our scripture reading this morning, which is from the Gospel of John. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sihar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, sir, you have no bucket and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give them will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, The hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want? Or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Will you join with me now in the spirit of prayer?
This is one of my favorite stories from John's Gospel because it shows Jesus as a human. He's tired. It's hot. He's thirsty. Can we identify? Yes. Yes. He's sitting down in the middle of the day, waiting. Now we may think, or he may think, or people around may have thought that he was simply waiting there to get a drink, getting a rest, maybe in the shade of a tree. For in the desert, where there is water, there are trees. They just sort of jump out of nowhere. But then this woman comes, and no one else is there. And Jesus has a conversation with her, breaking the rules. Jesus shouldn't be talking to her because she's a woman. Jesus shouldn't be talking to her because she's a Samaritan. Jesus shouldn't be talking to her because she's had five husbands and this one she's living with now isn't even a husband. You know, she's one of those people those people you stay away from, that you don't want to hang around with because people might get the wrong idea about you. But Jesus talks to her, and he sees her just as she is, and he loves her anyway. He invites her into relationship. He invites her to see herself and the world through new eyes. He invites her to have abundant life, to find a source of water that is never ending. In the desert, that is totally amazing. I mean, we can kind of identify a little bit here because we're in the middle of such a hot streak, but the desert heat is unrelenting and there's not water for miles. And if you're walking on foot, it can be a desperate situation. So to have a promise of water that will never run out is a promise beyond their imagining, beyond her imagining. And so first she takes him quite literally, right? She's like, I want that. Tell me where to get it. But then he turns this practical way of looking on its side to tell her about how to live in a desert-like, death-dealing world with abundant life, with ever-refreshing uh, relationship with God through Jesus. Jesus promises the disciples and all of us who listen that we will have this same kind of relationship, that the one-to-one -one relationship Jesus had with God 
is available to us. Then he says those words that stuck in my head today. I'm not sure I've ever really heard them in the same kind of way. But he said, you worship what you don't know, and we worship what we do know. Are there some things in our culture that we worship, maybe even in our hearts, that are something less than God? We think we know. We think we're living a good life. We're making the right choices, or at least we're trying to. But suddenly we realize that we're living as if we don't actually believe in God. The choices that we are making reveal that we are depending on ourselves. Or we're living in the world's way of thinking that we have to make enough money, we have to be independent, we need to care about ourselves, and then if we have time or extra, we can give to others or to the world. That we weigh all of our choices and those benefits, what benefits us and our family or the people we care about versus the rest of the world. And it's a time of trouble, isn't it? It feels like the world's problems are overwhelming. It's like a desert, so to speak, out there. It seems like there is no refreshing water, right? that sometimes either we or those we love or people we see just cannot catch a break. That thing after thing is happening. And yet Jesus speaks these words of truth. Living water, abundant life, never ending is available to us. And it's not just for the right people. It's for everybody. And sometimes this scripture is really a challenge for us to put ourselves in the disciples' places and what they were thinking when they came up to see Jesus talking to a woman, never a good thing, talking to a Samaritan, even worse, and talking to one of those people. And we have those same ways of ranking people in our world. Sometimes it's about how much money someone makes or what their profession is. Sometimes it's about the state of their relationships or the state of their house or car. Sometimes it's about the choices they make or the politicians they support. There's all kinds of ways that we decide who is worthy of receiving this living water, but Jesus says, all. The life of discipleship is a balancing act. That there's a sense of um, relationship between us and God and between us and the world. I think sometimes that's why the cross, you know, has the up, which is us and God, and out, us and one another. And that we can't have a full and powerful relationship with God without living rightly and righteously with one another in the world. And this scripture invites us to think about who is really in charge. Is it the rules? Is it the culture of the day that says who's in and who's out? Or is it God? I like to be in charge of things. 
Anybody else like to be in charge? Sometimes we like to be in charge from behind the scenes, as my husband would call me the backseat driver, right? And sometimes it's nice to turn the reins over to somebody else. But what we see in this scripture, that it's God who's in control, but not in the sort of tight-fisted, do-as-I-do-or-else kind of control, but rather in the invitational, knowing you as you are, loving you just as you are, and inviting you to live in ways that are more life-giving for yourself, for others, and for the world. Some years ago, I decided it was time to go see a spiritual mentor, and there was a a person I knew through a yoga class, and she just seemed so like outside the Christian box that it would be a good opportunity for me to take a look at the things I never examined because we all use the same language inside the Christian church. So I wrote out my thing, and I went to see her, and she was just starting her spiritual mentoring business, and she said, it's a little nerve-wracking having a pastor as one of your first spiritual mentees. I was like, we're just regular people. Some of us need more spiritual mentoring than you would believe. (laughs) But one of the questions she asked was, do you really believe that God is in charge? And invited me to look at the patterns of my life and to turn over my decision-making to the leadership of the Spirit. And so um, I wrestled with this a little bit because I have a bit of a problem with authority. But she suggested that I start small. She said, start in front of your closet. I said, in front of my closet? And she said, yes. Stand there and say, God, what should I wear today? It seems so minuscule and silly, and why does God care what I'm wearing? And I know in my head it doesn't really matter. But she said, Remembering that God is in charge is a practice. And it's a practice that happens through daily turning over our will, through every moment inviting God to lead us. And if we can't do it with the small things, how are we going to do it with the large things? And so began a practice of listening to God as much as possible about every and any decision. And so sometimes it means I have to wait. Which is uncomfortable, right? When we want to know what's happening, when we want to have something to do about a situation. And sometimes it means I feel called to do the uncomfortable thing. To say to somebody, what you just said hurt, and for these reasons. You know, what you just did is unjust for these reasons. So as we think about the woman at the well, she who was so thirsty for God's love, and she received it because she was willing. She was willing to be seen. She was willing to hear, and she was willing to respond. 
So who's in charge in your life? Who's in charge in this church? Who's in charge of our denomination? May we live with God in charge. Amen. We bring our hearts, our minds, our lives before God. And so I invite you to join with me now in the spirit of prayer. Most holy God, you who know us through and through, prepare us to be a sanctuary Allow our hearts to be a dwelling place for you. Our lives to be a dwelling place for your ministry. And may our actions be a dwelling place for your service and justice and hope in the world. O oh God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. When the aches and anxieties of life arise, remind us of your presence, God, your holiness that is within us. And so we lift up to you the joys of our hearts, our lives, and our world. We name them in our hearts or out loud, knowing that you hear us. We give you thanks, God. Our world, our communities, our own lives have places of concern, and we raise them to you, O oh God, lifting up our prayers for our beloved ones, for those who are homeless, for those who are hungry, for those who are victims of oppression and racism. We pray for the places in our world that are full of violence and warfare, and especially when that violence is within our own hearts. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We lift up to you, God, our hopes and dreams, our fears and worries, knowing that you hear us. And yet sometimes, God, the desire to create a sense of security leads us in ugly directions as individuals and communities and nations. We lift up these places of brokenness Remind us of our holy calling to be both present and aware to the suffering, not only of ourselves and our loved ones, but also of those with whom we disagree, those we would name as evil, and fill us with your holy purpose 
that we might seek justice, love kindness, and walk humbly with you every step of the way. Remind us again and again, God, that your love and blessing is not a limited commodity, that love shared and justice served leads to your kingdom where all collectively thrive. And remind us again and again that you are the God, the way out of no way, God. You make the impossible possible. Help us to believe, to continue to turn our trust over to you, our lives and our will, not that we give up, but rather that we are strengthened by the power of your spirit to live lives of justice, righteousness, hope, and peace. God, prepare us to be your sanctuary. And so we lift these prayers and all our prayers in the strong name of Jesus, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Today we have the joy of sharing together in Holy Communion. And this is the meal that uh, reminds us that we are the body of Christ. That we take on Christ's body and his blood as we share in this meal and are shaped and formed for Jesus' ministry in the world. And so as we gather today, I want you to close your eyes for a minute and imagine yourself around a table, gathered with your closest friends. Jesus is among us. He looks at each one and now directly into your eyes. He takes bread. He gives thanks. He blesses it. He breaks it and looks at you. Take, eat, do this in remembrance of me. Jesus takes a cup, gives thanks, blesses it, looks at each one of the disciples, their connection to each other and to him. And now Jesus looks directly at you. Drink from this, all of you, for this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you, poured out for you, and for the many, in forgiveness of sin. God bless this bread, this cup that we will share, 
reminding us of how it breaks the boundaries and draws us together. That the salvation of our hearts and lives reunites us as one in you. Bless this meal and all who receive it. We pray in your powerful spirit. Amen.